to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13 and verse 6. We'll be reading verses 6 through 9 of Luke 13. So we will be pausing from Isaiah as we come to take the Lord's Supper. And we'll explain in a few minutes why we'll be looking at this passage as we come to the end of this year and come to the Lord's Supper today. Luke 13, verse 6. Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, Let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. These are the words of our Lord Jesus. Let's pray for his help as we study them together. Our Father, as we come to you again, we remember the words of Jesus uh, who tells us that you are a good Father who loves to give gifts to his children. And if an earthly father gives good gifts, then how much more will you give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We come to you and we pray again because we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit to make these words alive, that they might not just be words that are read out loud and words on a page that we look at, but words that come from you and speak to our hearts and pierce our hearts and change us. We can't do this on our own. And so we pray again and we pray in faith that you will give this to us. Help us as we look at your word again. We ask through the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who sends the Spirit. We pray in his name. Amen. I mentioned a few weeks ago, I, I think, about how I had recently read The Diary and Life of Andrew Bonner. Andrew Bonner is a Scottish Presbyterian in the middle of the 1800s. He's probably more famous for having a brother. His brother was Horatius, who wrote a lot of the hymns. We've sung a lot of his hymns even today. Uh, but Andrew Bonner was, was a pastor, and uh, I was reading his diary. One of the things that I found pretty interesting reading his diary was something that apparently is, was a pretty uh, common in his day and was a habit among those Presbyterians in Scotland. It was that he would often take uh, moments of the year on the, the uh, anniversaries or birthdays or the new year, and he would take those days and he would spend extra times in prayer. And he would spend those times in prayer to reflect on the past year and to pray for the coming year. And so you read his diary and he'll say things like, today was my 60th birthday. I only spent half the day in prayer. I wish I had spent the whole day in prayer. Or he'll say, today was the 30th anniversary of my ordination. I spent the whole day in prayer, morning, 
my insufficiencies as a minister. You know, and this is like a guy, he's got like over a thousand people in his church and he has great revival and he has commentaries that are still being read today, but he mourns his insufficiencies as he takes that day in prayer. So I was struck by the fact that he would take such days to look back on the past year. And as today is the last day of the year, I think it is a good practice for us to reflect on the past year and to look forward to the next year. And it fits with taking the Lord's Supper, as we're going to talk about it when we take the Lord's Supper. That's also a time for personal examination and reflection and renewing our commitment. Baptism is the, the one-time sign of the covenant that you receive once, but the Lord's Supper is the one that you receive over and over again to remind yourself of the new covenant in Christ and of your own commitment to Christ. And so uh, it's fitting that on the last day of the year we get to take the Lord's Supper together. And in light of all that, my mind was drawn to this parable in Luke chapter 13, where in verses 8 and 9, the vine dresser says and asks that the owner would give the fig tree one more year. One more year. One more year for the fig tree to bear fruit. God is saying to us, Lord willing, that we will wake up tomorrow. And if we wake up tomorrow, we trust that he wants to give us one more year to bear fruit. And he has given us up to this point of 2023 with just a few hours left. He has given us this year. And we should reflect what did we do with this year? Did we bear fruit? God has done this for each of us individually, for us as a church. You know, it's the grace of God that a church keeps its doors open and is able to continue to gather week by week, year by year. God has given Albany Baptist Church one more year. Now in this parable, there. Uh, the, the, uh, tr the tree is three years old. And so we're talking here in the parable about tree years, uh, which are like sort of dog years. You know, a, a dog is older, even though it's only 15. And so a tree at three is supposed to be pretty mature. And so I know that we're not going to take this quite literally. Don't take it literally that that uh, you will have exactly 365 days. Uh, this is the parable about a tree. But in the application of this, the principle of this is still the same. The tree, obviously, as I'm going to explain in a minute, is representing people. And people are supposed to bear fruit. And so, whatever amount of time God gives you, However many days that is, and none of us knows how many days that is, God is giving you one more year, so to speak. One more metaphorical year that you might serve him, love him, and bear fruit. 
So I want to look at the passage first, uh, spend some time just uh, opening it up, and then spend most of the time really just applying this to how we think about the past year and the next year. So the parable is about a fig tree. Uh, The fig tree is planted in a vineyard. That might ring a bell about Isaiah chapter 5. We recently saw that parable about uh, a vine planted in the vineyard. Israel was like a vine. And here Israel is presented as a fig tree. In the book of Joel chapter 1 verse 7, God calls Israel his fig tree. Now here, uh, the fig tree is planted in a vineyard, and there's nothing particularly meaningful about that. The vineyard is just the place where the soil is good. Uh, This owner of the house, the gardener, he has a vineyard, and he likes fig trees. So where is he going to plant his fig trees? He's going to plant them in good soil. So he plants this tree. He goes out looking for fruits. In verse 7, it says, For three years now I have come seeking fruit. That probably doesn't mean that he comes once a year, just three times. But over a regular period of time, for an entire three years, he regularly comes looking, expecting fruit. Maybe he comes every season. In the spring, maybe in the spring the fruit will come. Or maybe in the summer when it's hotter the fruit will come. Or maybe in the fall the fruit will finally arrive. And each season that he comes, he sees that the fruit of the tree is barren. There is no fruit growing on the tree. And so he says, the owner says, cut this tree down. He says to the gardener, the one he's hired to take care of his garden, cut this tree down. It's useless. It's not going to bear any fruit. I've already given it three years. This is a normal time you would expect for a tree to bear fruit. Not only is it useless, but he says, why should it use up the ground? It's wasting my space. It's wasting my precious yard space, my good soil. I could plant something else on this soil and it would bear a lot more fruit. So why am I going to waste another year with this tree? Just cut it down. But the vine dresser, the gardener, says, Sir, give it one more year. I'll do all the work. I'll dig around. I'll fertilize it. I'll take care of it. I'll pull the weeds. You don't have to do anything. Give it one more year. I understand if it doesn't bear fruit, fine, we'll just cut it down, like you said. But give it one more year, and maybe it'll bear fruit. We also need to see the context of this passage right after the first five verses of chapter 13, where some people were asking Jesus why these tragedies happened to people that they had heard about, maybe people that they knew. Some Galileans were killed, and the other tragedy was a tower in Siloam in in Jerusalem that fell down and and killed some people. And Jesus' response to these people is, well, do you think that 
you're any worse than they are because they suffered, or that you're any better rather than they are because they suffered in this way? No. You're not any worse or any better. Now Jesus says, you also will perish unless you repent. In other words, everyone deserves death. It's only in God's sovereignty and God's particular plan for, for each person that death comes in a certain way, but everyone deserves death. And so you can't automatically conclude that because a tower falls on these people, these people are worse and they were receiving extra judgment from God. That's, that's not always the case. We, don't, we can't always know that or say that. We're all going to die. And so we all need to repent. And so naturally, the parable of the fig tree follows up after that. What does repentance look like? It looks like bearing fruit. And Jesus is talking here about those people as the fig tree. The very ones who are asking him the question. They are the fig tree. It's the nation of Israel most directly who are the ones who are called in verse 5 to repent and who are called in the parable to bear fruit. So it's the nation of Israel. And we could say that historically speaking, maybe the, the one more year for the nation of Israel was even after Jesus was crucified. Even after Jesus was crucified, God still offered the gospel to Israel. Though they rejected Jesus, it was in Jerusalem that the Holy Spirit comes on Peter and the apostles and they preach in Pentecost and thousands of those people repent. Just as Peter says, you crucified him and God commands you to repent just what Jesus had warned them about. They, they actually repent and they start bearing fruit. But many of them don't repent. And Paul the apostle is sent synagogue after synagogue, week by week, every town that he goes in. He goes first to the synagogue as the, the one more year, so to speak, of God offering the gospel, though they even rejected their own Messiah. And then it's finally, after rejecting the message of the apostles, that Jerusalem is finally destroyed in the year A.D. 70. The fig tree is finally cut down. So most directly, this parable is about the nation of Israel, but I think we can apply it to everyone because those words in verse uh, 3 and 5 are a call to everyone. You all must repent or you will perish. And even the story in verses 1 and 2 are about Galileans, not just people in Jerusalem, the Jews, but including Gentiles. They were killed too. They are also called to repent. So I think you understand the need for every single person to not only repent of their sins and trust in Jesus as Savior, but to continue to live a life of bearing fruit. James chapter 2 says that faith without works is dead. 
And so even for us as believers, we can apply this parable to ourselves. Even though we've repented and come to Christ, we want to continue and grow in repentance. And we want to bear more and more fruit in our lives. We want to be more and more sanctified. This is the work that God is doing in us. We are called to bear fruit. And so we can think about it this way. God has given us one more year to bear fruit. And we trust that God might give us another year. Why is he giving us that year? It is that we might bear fruit. So let's apply this idea now of the one more year in those ways. First, you can think about this one more year as a deadline. Think about it as a deadline. You were given one more year, but maybe only one more year. What if you were given only one more year? We are just coming out of the holiday season. I think the holiday season is going to end on Tuesday. But we have more seasons that even go beyond the year, beyond one year. Because in 2024, we're going to enter another season called election season. Everybody loves election season, don't they? Well, a phrase that you often will hear in election season, a, a political slogan is you'll hear hear people chant, four more years. Four more years. You heard it in 2020. You will hear it in 2024. Four more years for the president who currently is in office. Well, I know that that's just a political slogan. It's not a theological statement. But it is pretty exact as to what James tells us not to do. In James 4, Paul, uh, James tells us not to boast about tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow may bring. Do not say tomorrow we will do this and that. So I know we all know what people mean when they say four more years, but the reality is there is absolutely no guarantee as to who will be in office in four more years. William Harrison was elected to president. He died 32 days into his, uh, uh, his stint as president. President Garfield died 200 days into his presidency. So those are just reminders. You do not know what tomorrow may bring. We can plan. You will vote assuming that someone will be in office for four more years. But we may only have one year. So think about it this way. First, think about this last year. What if 2023 is your last year? 
What if on January 1st of 2023, the owner of the vineyard said, I'll give him one more year. I'll give her one more year. Now that might sound like a, a morbid thought. Uh, obviously, we don't want any of us to uh, pass away today or tonight. We hope and we trust that God would bless us with a, a safe and a healthy 2024. But the Bible calls us so many times to remember the brevity of our life. Our life is a vapor, James says. All flesh is like grass, Isaiah says. Your days are like a weaver's shuttle, Job says. Just like a, a shuttle that weaves a thread back and forth. That's how quick your days go by. And you all say, we all say, the time flies and the time has gone by so quickly and our kids grow up so quickly and life just goes by so fast. But this is a reality that we're called to meditate on. What if our life will actually soon be over? What does that make you think about? How does that make you feel? It should bring confession. Confession of sin, it should bring reflection. And again, as we come to take the Lord's Supper, we're called to examine ourselves. We're called to judge ourselves. This is part of how we judge ourselves. This is a, something that maybe will help you as you think about your life. What did I do with the last year? How did I spend the last year? If God said, I only had one more year of my life, what did I do with it? Did I bear fruit the way that he called me to bear fruit? You're called to examine yourself and to judge yourself and to reflect on these things. Not so that we can just sit here and always beat ourselves up, but so that we can meditate on the grace of God and how he continues to love us despite our fruitlessness. And also to help us to commit to change. But we're not going to change if we don't stop and reflect. So reflect. How was your 2023? Did you bear fruit? The owner invested in his tree. Three years. Three years of digging, fertilizing, Three years of giving him this ground. How did you use what God invested in you so that in 2023 you would bear fruit? First of all, if maybe you're not yet following Christ or you don't know if you're a Christian, this is something you need to think about. Did you bear any fruit this year? Is there any love for God and for his word that you experienced in this past year? Is there any more desire to be more holy and to fight against your sin? If there's no fruit, then listen to verse 9. The time can come. The time might be today when this is the last day of the year. And he says, all right, it's been one year. Cut it down. It's born nor no fruit. 
don't know when that day might be. When the owner says, cut him down. He's not bearing any fruit. So evaluate and repent. For us who are believers and for us who are members of the church, uh, and I'll look at this passage because I think we're a church full of people who don't bear fruit and you really need to hear this passage. Uh, I think quite the opposite. I'm thankful for the godliness and the maturity and the fruit bearing of the members of this church. But I think we can apply this to us as a church because I, I want to apply this to myself. How did I bear fruit? How did you bear fruit? I want more and more. So, if this is the last day, will the owner be pleased when he returns? When he sees you and what you did in this one more year. A few days ago, I read a prayer in the Valley of Vision, and it ended with this line. If my life should end today, let today be my best day. If my life should end today, let today be my best day. And we can apply that to the year. If my life should end this year, may 2023 be my best year. Was it your best year? Will the owner find a return on investment for all that he invested in you? Maybe you read through the Bible this year. Maybe you read the whole Bible. Maybe you've listened to at least 52 Sunday school lessons, morning sermons, and afternoon sermons. Maybe you've been through 52 prayer meetings on Zoom. Maybe you've Read some books, three or ten or fifteen, theology, devotional books. You've gone to Bible studies. You've had fellowships. The Lord has invested in you. He's given you all these things. So has there been fruit born from this? Is it your best year of all the years that you've had with all that God has given to you. Well, I think we can say that we honestly, sincerely try to follow Christ and bear fruit and do our best and we know that we're sinners. But it's also appropriate for us to confess as we come to the table and as we examine ourselves. 2023 we can say maybe was not the year that we hoped it would be. We didn't bear as much fruit as we wish that we had. So you can confess your tepid prayer life, your drowsy sermon listening or church attendance maybe, your cold-hearted love for God, your Bible reading that feels like you're just doing something to check a box. 
your half-heartedness in serving, your selfishness in your marriage, your unlovingness as you parent your children. Maybe you need to confess and reflect on these things. No, it wasn't the best year. If we judge ourselves truly, Paul says, as we come to the table, we will not be judged. So we can think of one more year as a deadline. Maybe we've only been given one more year. We can also think about it as a lifeline. Secondly, think about it as a lifeline. Think about it in a positive sense. Verse 8, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. It's a lifeline. It's a lifeline to be given one more year. You see, in verse 7, the owner would have been very right to just cut it down. He has every right to cut down this uh, tree that is so pathetic in its fruit bearing. This is how you would garden. This is how you would deal with dead trees or plants that don't do their jobs and aren't growing. You just get rid of them. This is how you and I treat other people. If you're trying to get a contractor to come to your house and do some work, you call him once, you call him twice, you might call him three times, but you're not going to keep begging and begging and begging and keep waiting and waiting for the contractor to show up. No, you move on. You try to get something from a store or a business and they don't have the product, then you go to another store. This is fair. This is right. The owner has every right to say, it's been three years, I'm cutting you down. It was a mercy that God gave us 2023. It's a mercy that we've made it to December 31st. If we wake up tomorrow, it will be the mercy of God. If God gives us 2024 to live, it will be only by His mercy. God is giving us one more year. One more year to bear more fruit than we did last year. One more year to make it right, so to speak. To try to live in a way that honors Him more. That is more worthy of who He is. That glorifies Him. One more year to serve Him. Now for the Christian, it's not as if death is judgment from God. So I just want to be clear about that. It's not that if, if we die, that it, it's because God is punishing us and he's saying, you're not bearing any fruit, so I'm cutting you down. No, that's not the case. We know that to be a Christian means that death is gain. Death means we get to go and be in the presence of our Lord and Savior. We also know, though, that to live is Christ. And so this is how I'm trying to explain it for us to, to think about and to think about our lives. It's not that, that if you don't get one more year, it's the judgment of God. But you should think that if you get one more year, it's because to live is Christ. And Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 21 to 25, 
God is going to leave me here because there is fruitful labor for me. He uses those same words, that word from the, the tree. There is fruitful labor for me. Paul says, I would rather depart and be with Christ. That would be far better. But there is fruit for me to bear on this earth in this life. And so that's how you should think about it. If God is gracious to give you one more year, it is because there is fruitful labor for you on this earth. To die is gain. To depart means to go and be with Christ. So why do you get a lifeline? Well, notice in verse 8, who is it that asks for the lifeline? There's a vine dresser. There's a vine dresser, the gardener in the story. The owner wants to cut the tree down, but someone intercedes. Someone stands between. Someone advocates. Someone is a mediator who says, no, leave them alone. Give him one more year. Maybe you've heard these stories that are sadly too common about uh, children, babies who have these health conditions and uh, the hospital refuses to treat them. Doctors don't, they just want to basically let them die. And the parent has to stand up for the child and advocate for health treatment. Or maybe it's an adult who is in a coma or in a vegetative state. And there are even, I've heard some stories about how these people in a, in a coma, they're listening. They're able to hear. And they hear people talking about letting the person die. But then they come back. They come back and they realize that that doctor wanted to just let me die. Sometimes the family member said that you should just let me die. But when you're in that state, what you need is an advocate. Someone who will stand up for you when you can't stand up for yourself and say, let's keep trying. Try this. Try this treatment. Give it another day. Give it another week. Let's see what happens. And maybe he can live. Here's the fig tree. Fig trees can't talk. Fig tree can't say, give me one more year, please. But the fig tree has an advocate. And the vine dresser. Give him one more year. And this is a picture of the Son of God. The Lord Jesus. Who is the mediator of God's elect people. Who says, Father, don't destroy them. Father, we have determined to save them. And it's not that the Father and the Son are against each other, but that the Father's work of grace comes through the Son of God because the Son has to pay the payment so that God can be just. And so it's the Son who says, I'll do it. I'll do the work of redemption. I'll accomplish and, and pay for your justice. Just don't destroy them, God, the Father. And as we live, so we're alive on this earth. The triune God is offended by our sin. 
The wrath of God is against our sin, but for the elect people of God, Jesus says no. Hold back your wrath. I'll take it upon myself. So we'll send the Spirit. The Spirit will give new birth. And I'll apply my work on the cross, Jesus says, to his account that he might be saved. Don't send your wrath upon your child. Paul says this about himself in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says, Jesus Christ displays his perfect patience in me. I was a blasphemer a persecutor of the church of God, an insolent opponent, but Jesus Christ was patient. It was year after year of Paul's life where in a sense the owner says, cut him down. My wrath is against this man who so violently opposes me. But Jesus Christ displays his perfect patience. Wait. Wait. Let's save this man. He made Paul an example of this grace and patience and used Paul for his glory. This is what God did for you. If you're a Christian... He let you live long enough that he might, in his plan, he might save you and bring him to yourself. God continues to give you life that you might live for him. So as we come again to the Lord's Supper and think about the Supper again, we think about how God has given us this lifeline. We give thanks for the work of Jesus Christ of salvation. It's a a meal of thanksgiving, Paul says. Jesus institutes it as a meal, the giving thanks for the work of God's salvation. And we give God thanks for his patience in our life. It's also a time to commit ourselves again. A time not just to look back at the past and confess failures, But repentance means you're committing then to do something different. How will you spend the next year? God gives you this lifeline to live for Christ. How will you live it? Jesus says in John 9 verse 4, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. Life is short. Even Jesus understood that there were just a few days left for him to do the works that God had sent him to do. And the same applies to you. If you only have one more year, will you live this year then as your best year? Will you do the works of him who sent you while it is day because you don't know when night is coming for you? We like to talk about inconsistency. It's a nice way of putting things. I'm inconsistent in my Bible reading. 
inconsistent in my prayer life. Uh, Family worship has been inconsistent. But you know what that means. It means we've lost time. Night is coming. And you're losing hours. And so, when you're inconsistent in your Bible reading, that means that it's going to take extra time now to catch up to where you could have been today if you had used that time, worked the works of Him who sent you. If you had spent those times in prayer, then you would uh, have grown to another point in your godliness and your maturity and your communion with God already. Your family would be at an increased knowledge of the word and, and relationship with the Lord if you had led them in family worship. But guess what? You can't take those days back. You've lost them now. And that's why we mourn the loss of how we didn't do our best in 2023. But we must work the works of him who sent us in this coming year while it is day. Let us not waste our days. The hours are few. Night is coming. Commit. Commit as we take the Lord's Supper that this coming year will be your best year by the grace of God as you seek to serve and follow But finally, you can also think about this phrase as a finish line. A finish line. A lot of this application has been a lot of you need to do this, you're not doing this, you need to do more. But there is also good news of the gospel, even in this phrase, if we think about it as a finish line. One more year. Only one more year. That could be a negative. I only have one more year. It could be a positive. Only one more year. And then what? I get to be with Christ. I receive my reward. I get rest from my labors. I get the gift of eternal life in a glorified body actually come to fulfillment and fruition. All the promises of the gospel that have been in Christ will finally be completed and arrive and I will receive this great gift in only one more year. You see, verse 9 ends the story in an open-ended way. If the tree bears fruit, good. If not, cut it down. And there's no epilogue there. And so the tree did not bear fruit. So he came and chopped it down. Or the tree did bear fruit. There's no epilogue as to what happens. It's open-ended for a reason. Because Jesus is putting the ball in our court. He's, he's uh, letting the reader decide. You're the tree. What are you going to do? You're going to bear fruit? Or not? And so... Of course, a lot of this parable is the the threat of you're going to get cut down if you don't bear fruit. But think about it this way. What if you do? What if you do bear fruit? What if the owner comes? 
And he doesn't come to chop down the tree, but he comes. How joyful is he going to be? How excited is he going to be? How happy is he going to be with a vine dresser? That was a good idea, vine dresser. You, you were really smart. And, and thank you so much for all that work you did, all that digging and, and fertilizing that you did. That really worked. I was about to give up on this tree. You knew I was going to chop it down. It's a good thing we let it bear fruit because I love figs and we've got some more figs now. It bears fruit. How happy will the owner of the vineyard be? So, what if you work the works of him who sent you? What if you bear fruit next year? What are you going to expect? The owner's not going to come to you and tell you, what's your problem? Took you four years? It, it, it took you 65 years to get to this point in maturity? You, you wasted so much time. What were you thinking? See, you could have borne fruit all along. What are, what are you doing with your life? Now, the owner, he's not going to say that to you. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. If you bear fruit next year, whatever this one more year looks like in your life, you will see the owner. and He will smile. He will be pleased with your work. Maybe you're discouraged. You try hard. You feel like it's not good enough. You wish that you could be more godly. You wish you could pray more. You wish that you could grow more and fight against your sin. And you're so discouraged by lack of fruit that you see. Maybe you need to look to the finish line. And only one more year, if you are a true believer, you will receive the well done from your master. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that to believe in God means that you not only believe that he exists, but that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Believe that God will reward you. Because by God's grace, you will work fruit in this coming year. Believe and look forward to that day when you will receive his reward. This is what we are supposed to do as Christians. Look forward to the finish line. We are to Look forward to the return of Christ as our blessed hope. We're to love his appearing, as Paul says in 2 Timothy 4. Revelation 22, verse 20 says that uh, Jesus says, I am coming quickly. And we say, the church says, Amen, come quickly, Lord. We should look forward to the finish line. We should look forward to this one year, so to speak, being over. Come, owner of the vineyard. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, because I want to see 
how happy you are with the fruit that to me is meager. To me, I feel like I could do so much more, but I want to see that God will reward those who diligently seek Him. We are called to look forward. And so as we take the Lord's Supper, this is also a part of the Supper. We proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We proclaim His second coming. We proclaim that there will be a wedding banquet when the Lord Jesus will look at His bride and see her radiant and beautiful. We could change the metaphor. He will see the fig tree full of fruit. And He will love the fig tree. He will love His bride. So the Lord's Supper is looking forward to that day when we eat with our husband. The Lord Jesus is coming. Look forward to the finish line. Enter into the rest of all your labors. So just one more year. One more year. And you will see the Lamb face to face. One more year He will wipe away every tear from your eye. Put your hope in that day. And while we wait for that day, work the works of him who sent you while it is day. Because we only have one more year. Let's pray. Our Lord, we do pray that you would prepare our souls for that great day. Wash us in the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Cover us and sanctify us by your Holy Spirit. Help us in this coming year of 2024 to bear more fruit. Man does not know his time, but you know, Lord. You have decreed the day of our beginning and our end. You know our days. We pray that you would make us more fruitful until that day. Help us by your Holy Spirit to look forward to that second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, to love his appearing. And we pray for your help even now as we come to take this supper. Seal these truths of the gospel upon our hearts that we might grow in holiness and love for you. We pray through Christ. Amen.